Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Danielle, and you're listening to the Spooky Hour. I don't have any songs. I'm tired. <laughs> we got no Halloween. Like, you got nothing. I'm sorry. Boots and cats. There. Boots and cats. Boots I'm and like kitty cats. I, to be honest, got way too stoned before doing this. Oh, I, I, I was gonna stop at two bowls, but I've had it a long week, so I was like, you know what? I, I deserve a third one. And then as soon as I smoked it, I was like, you know, I what? didn't need that. Yeah, I didn't need that. Mom, did you see that alien in the backyard? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shit. How am I gonna like drive later? <laughs> hope Sleeping for the best moms. Yeah. <laughs> and here's me hope for the best like, you're terrible. so funny i've only done that once and it was after recording an episode and i i knew as soon as i got to the bridge when you exit the town there yeah i knew as soon as i hit there i was like oh i fucked up i should not be behind the wheel <laughs> go back to danielle's go back to danielle's <laughs> oh my god behind the wheel you guys i passed my g oh yeah i did it did we post I could drive. it um i don't think we did no, I think I totally forgot about it. I just have already suppressed it. It's in the past. Yeah, it's <laughs> over and done with. It was it was really easy, though. I, I definitely overthought it. And uh, the funniest thing, I was so nervous about reverse parking. And I've been practicing for like a month reverse parking. So I reverse parked when I got to the test center. And then it was it was beautiful. I did perfectly. And we did my test. And when I came back, she told me to forward park. And I forgot how to forward park. And I like oh ended God. up on an angle and had to fix it. And I was like... <sighs> I'm so embarrassed. I literally looked at her. I was like, I was practicing reverse parking the whole time. I wasn't expecting you to ask me to do that. That is so funny. She's like, well, you you still passed. And you're like, thank God. An absolute mess. But yeah, that's a huge stress. And I emailed my insurance immediately. And I was like, just so y'all know. Yeah. I am a G driver now. So lower her insurance, bitch. Everybody pray for my insurance now. <laughs> Will they do it right away? I don't know how it works. I no was trying to read it online and they said um, it should go down about 10%, but it didn't give you like a time frame. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll be in July when my thingy renews or if it's like my next payment. We'll find out next month. Yeah. Actually. Oh, yeah. No, it's next month. I just paid it. All $315 of it. That's insane. Can you believe that went down? That's down. It was like 450 when I first got my and car. I thought mine was expensive. Mine's 118 Guys, I'm a good driver. I don't know why this is happening. I've only hit like three people. <laughs> first of all, it was one. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's not on record. <laughs> Apparently neither of the other two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's the highlight of my, my week. I passed my G. Yeah. And then I still had to work and everything was shit. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I went to a maple farm this morning. It was actually she a had a great fun. day, yeah, I had a real fun day. And like River was like just loving it, and then he ended up napping. And then there was cows. <laughs> I just had a great day. Danielle had a better day than everybody. Okay, yeah. had pancakes and maple syrup. <sighs> I need to take more of my vacation days. Apparently, you do. I want to eat pancakes with maple syrup all morning. Let's go. Let's go back there. Let's oh, do we, it. Bought, we bought chicken wrapped in bacon for like ten. Ooh, bucks. did you like farm chicken? Yeah. Ooh that's gonna be so good yeah. is that tonight's dinner no it was frozen so it's tomorrow's oh uh, yeah have to let me know how that is i love going to places like that little markets and stuff and trying all their stuff it's so much better oh my god yes the, there's one the trading post that's, is was, really really good that's so weird i was just saying gonna say um i had my sister and my mom over and we yeah. went to the trading post on did you Tuesday, on tuesday i love that tuesday place wednesday. yeah I love it. It's so good. We want to do um, a barbecue in the summer. Oh, for those local to the area, the trading post is in P- 
Port, Port Perry. Port Perry? Yeah. yeah, Port Perry. It's one of the ports. Um, we want to go in the summer and buy a whole bunch of like meat and stuff and do like a big barbecue with all of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Pool party. You're invited. I'm so d- I'm f- obviously, I'm invited. Danielle's like, I was already there. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Second the pool's open, Danielle's just at my house. Yeah, I live there now. When you're still on mat leave, too, I could just see you just like casually dropping in on my mom. <laughs> right? I'm so tempted to just be like, I'm not taking 12 months. I'm taking 18 months now. Bye. Can you do that? Can you switch it up? I don't think so. Let's find I mean, out. Just I'm, just do it. I would, if I could afford it, I definitely would. Yeah. But... It's a shame how they do that. I know. But whatever. Oh, uh, Whatever. I got a year off. That's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> you still had to work, though. Momming, momming is work. Dude. You didn't have to wear pants, though. Accurate. So there's like a trade-off. Yeah. I just had to like rip my vagina open. <laughs> Doesn't she make it sound so appealing? Right. I love when her and Stuart try to talk Carl and I into having a kid. They're like, you should do it. River needs a friend. Also, my vagina became my butthole. Like, like literally. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. That sounds exactly like what I want to sign up for. Yeah. If you want anyone to convince you to have a child, I am not that person. So don't ask. <laughs> Neither is Stuart. Yeah. I mean, like, oh. River's great and we love him, but get him oh, to absolutely. that point. That wasn't that, that great. That great. No. Yeah. And it's fine. It's not always as magical as the movies make it seem. And the thing is, is, like, my pregnancy, there was nothing wrong with my pregnancy. My pregnancy You were was, tired a lot. Yeah, I was tired a lot. Yeah. And I lost a lot of weight, which was yeah. opposite of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, it was kind of like textbook. Like, there's nothing wrong or yeah. anything like that. But, like... It's still exhausting. You're growing a human. It wasn't fun. Like, yeah. Like like a watermelon. I remember Christmas. Watermelon. She texts me and she's like, you know, not drinking for Christmas fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. This is the worst idea. <laughs> she's like, this is the worst Christmas ever. <laughs> well, it's like, um, cause I, was, I'm, I have a, it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday. It so was. I'm doing an Irish, Irish thingy today. Irish thingy. I'm brain dead, <laughs> apparently. Too much air. Um, <laughs> she left her house today and now her brain's not working <laughs> literally and what the fuck was i st- where oh yeah irish st. Patrick's day so yeah. Stuart was like oh my god last year you couldn't drink for st patrick's day oh my god yeah so this time emma was over my sister and i was like let's like have a drink and stuff i got through half my drink and i was like i'm, ba- I'm gonna go go bed bedtime i'm wasted <laughs> with half a drink was i mean on the bright side you're saving money <laughs> true Oh, but I also got, we, me and my sister can't open bottles of wine, apparently, and we opened, because it has cork. Oh, no. there's so much cork in my wine right now. Ew. Like, so much. Like, Stuart had to come and, like, save it. He's like, you're an absolute moron, Danielle. Did you like, filter it out? Like, no, what do you do? I don't you know. Just, just suck it up. Chew and spit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so gross. Disaster. So this intro is already off to a good start. Yeah, I don't Shall know. We, where are we're we getting going. spooky? Is it a spooky Irish? It is a spooky Irish. Okay, well, I think Shall it's a spooky Irish. Um, so we're going to talk about the Montpelier, or it will end the Hellfire Club. So we'll get Ooh. into that. Yeah. So there's an old abandoned building on top of Montpelier um, Hill, which is located in the county of Dublin, Ireland. Uh, as I said, it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday, so obviously I have to talk about something that's happened in Ireland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the building was built in 1725 by William Connolly. Uh, William was a speaker of the Irish Parliament, and he um, built this building as like a hunting lodge. At the time, it was called like Mount Pilier, um, 
but it was like pretty massive for being like a hunting lodge um so it had reception rooms a massive hall um it had kitchens like yeah plural like more than one kitchen oh yeah i need more than one kitchen so not what you like i picture as a hunting lodge but i yeah. guess when you have money it's just another normal home <laughs> they're just like hunting lodge yeah this is a good name um so now before william had this hunting lodge constructed the hill was actually um like a, a a carn or like a cairn i don't know how to pronounce it properly um it's located on top of the hill it's like um uh and there was like a, a passage like grave at the summit of the hill oh okay um so like the cairn um is basically just like a pile of man-made rocks like you once you see a picture of it you'll understand it um and there's like various uses for it sometimes it's used to mark like trails or it's used in like defense uh, but it could also be used to mark graves so in this case that's is it like it tall yeah yeah. It's kind okay. of like, like, it's like a big thick base and then it goes up and then it's like kind of narrow. Okay. Um, uh, so in this case it was used to mark a grave. Um, so naturally when William purchased the land to build this hunting lodge, he had, um, those rocks torn down and even some of the stones were used to build the lodge. Ooh, that yeah. sounds like fucking with the dead. Yeah. Right. So I believe majority of those stones were actually used to build like the fireplace in the lodge. So creepy. Um, so right after the lodge was built, the roof was actually torn off in a storm and locals were like, maybe you shouldn't have used those stones. <laughs> Some locals even said it like it was disturbing um, that grave. Yeah, and so he, just a little bit, right? Yeah. So they said that he probably awoke the devil and the devil was obviously pissed Ooh. off. Yeah. So the roof was replaced um, with an arch stone and that is what's currently on the building today. William died in 1729, and actually at the time of his death, he was one of the wealthiest men in Ireland. Um, now, the Irish Hellfire Club was founded in the 1730s by Richard Parsons and James Warsdale. Uh, this club included the elite and wealthy, and it was a very top-secret, like, hush-hush society. Um, it said that this club was, like, a place you'd go to gamble, like, play cards, but it also... Oh, so it was the name of the club? Yeah, the name of the club is called the Hellfire Club. Um, but it... it but it's also said they would take part in an, and I quote, social immoral acts. Um, so Richard Parsons, who said to actually, uh, uh, would actually like take part in black magic. Um, oh. And it is speculated that a lot of the members of this club were Satanists or like devil worshippers. Um, it's also said that the president of the club at the time would have to dress like the devil, which included horns, hooves, and wings. Yeah. And members <laughs> would do like real life rituals that included real sacrifices. So oh. this club was pretty extreme. So it's kind of like they had like a, if you knew about the club, you thought it was like a gambling club, but then yeah. they had like behind closed doors. It's actually like a a satanist group even worse <laughs> yeah um so at the time this club resided in eagle tavern on cork hill but when william passed away the lodge was up for sale and this club is said to have bought it so the club's meetings were moved to the lodge um also some people say the club was actually alive and kicking when william was too like before he died yeah um so there's a theory that he actually left this lodge to the club upon his death oh um but it's said that the club started after his death so some stories they kind of contradict Wish each other yeah yeah but either way they started hanging out at the lodge um so as i said basically it's a secret society not much is known about what took place behind closed doors um so either just a rich club to hang out at or uh they killed like cats who knows <laughs> um it could be a satanic cult it could be um so there are some stories to come out of this club like a story about a stranger who arrived at the lodge because it was stormy and he wanted to take shelter so they let him in so they weren't dicks, apparently. At least not to strangers. Um, 
during a card game, one of the members dropped their cards on the floor and went to pick them up. And when he did so, he noticed the stranger actually had hoof feet. Ooh. The guy was like, what the fuck? And then this Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> yeah. He's come to play cards. Um, and, but when this, um, when he noticed that this stranger had hoof feet, the stranger actually apparently burst into a ball of flames and left. So they think he was the devil. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, in the 1750s, the building was badly damaged in a fire. Some say a few members got into a tussle and someone threw brandy at another and then lit them on fire. Casual. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Which caused the building to go up in flames, obviously. Some say the members actually did it on purpose for a hellish appearance because aesthetic is important. It is. Yeah. Especially Um, in satanic cults. Definitely. Um, Some also say that it went up in flames during a ritual, and the ritual involved killing of a little person, which is like... Oh, God. Fucked. Yeah. Um, But whatever the reason, whatever the cause, the building still went up in flames. Um it didn't completely burn down. They were, made, they were able to sal- uh, salvage a lot of it, but it obviously was very damaged. Um, the club ended up moving down to Killicky Stewart's house, or Stewart's house, sorry. Oh, I thought it was like, like Stewart's Stewart, house. No, <laughs> Stewart's um, house. Um, so leaving Montpelier um, building abandoned. The club was said to officially have closed down in 1760, However, in 1771, the group was given new life by Thomas Buck um, Whaley, and now the club was now called the Holy Fathers, which was the new improved Hellfire Club. But obviously, they kept up their unholy activities despite the name. <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you go from Hellfire Club to Holy Fathers? That sounds like a priest gathering. Yeah, literally, <laughs> they're just trying to cover up their shit. Um, apparently, it's not at all obvious though. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> apparently, during this time. Um, the group actually went like a full extreme like they went like they were doing extreme shit before like with rituals but they kind of just up they wanted to up their game they ended up kidnapping um murdering and ate a farmer's daughter yeah i just will never understand cannibalism why do you want to eat another person i don't know i don't know (laughs) um it said that the group was still working out of the steward's house at this time but um also cleaned up the lodge and it was used once again uh so they kind of went back and forth i guess when thomas whaley died so did the holy father's group so the land ended up being sold in the 1800s to multiple people um and now it is owned by the irish forest service colette um it's open to the public but it's still a very abandoned building um people who visit the lodge say it has a lot of activity and one of the most common spirits seen is actually a black cat um, this Aww. cat is said to have blazing, burning eyes, and if you see uh, it, just leave, run. It's not a good thing to be seeing cute. this cat. No, <laughs> there's no awe. <laughs> no awe. Um, strange smells and loud noises are heard to bellow out of the ruins at the lodge, especially at night. Um, apparently, in 1971, there was a plumber working at the steward's house, so the the other Hellfire Club. Um, and he actually dug up a small skeleton on the property, which they believe was connected to the Hellfire Club for oh. one of the rituals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the spirit of the black cat is also apparently seen at this house. Um, so that's that's the Hellfire Club. But fun fact, the Hellfire Club was the inspiration for the secret society with the same name in the X-Men comics. Oh, that's kind of fun. It's kind of fucked up. <laughs> I guess so. You're like... Hey, these people in rituals killed people and, like, ate people, but, like, let's put them in comics. And then Marvel was like, comics! Comics. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the Hellfire Club and the places they stayed at. 
so that's another one on our travel bucket list. Oh gosh, yeah. When you move to Ireland, mm-hmm. I like the the story behind it though. It just sounds dark. Like the entire thing is just dark. Yeah, I would like. I just don't know how they went from Hellfire to Holy Fathers. I think it was like a how do we come up with a secret name so that they have no idea what they're doing and they're like let's do something holy, or it was the opposite and they were like making fun of religion. Yeah. You know? Or they're probably like, religion gets away with so much stuff, so so can we. Yeah, also that. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, so we gotta go to Ireland, like, soon. I know, I would love to. I wanna go anywhere in the UK, to be honest, because they have my ideal weather. Cold and rainy. <laughs> Cold and rainy. That's exactly where I wanna go. Like, yeah. I just thrive there. I don't, I don't like sweating. I'm done with sweating. We're about to enter sweat season, too. <laughs> Yesterday was so warm. I didn't really get to go outside when it was nice. I went for a walk, but by the time I, like, left for my walk, it was already starting to get kind of cold and, like, the sun was clouding over. Oh. I hate working. I need I need to win a lottery. Or marry someone rich. Or marry someone rich. Yeah. Any takers? Yeah. <laughs> no if any you're friends? rich and you listen to the podcast. <laughs> um. So, today... I am gonna. Oh, we're gonna talk about mine now. By the way, that was there's no segue. We're just gonna talk about it. Yeah, we're just gonna talk um, about some. I think murder, maybe. Actually, no, not murder. No one dies in this one. Weird. I I've never done one. I think where no one dies. So um, today I'm gonna talk about a girl named Abby Hernandez and her incredible story of survival. Uh, my sister Amy sent me this one. I don't know if Amy actually listens to the podcast or if she just likes to give me ideas. But thanks, Amy. Um. So I wanted to start this off with a quote from a former FBI profiler named Brad Garrett. He said, quote, if I were going to write a textbook about how victims should deal with abductions, the first chapter would be about Abby. Um, So Abby is a fellow Libra born on October 12th, 1998 in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, She and her family had a perfectly normal life. Nothing remarkable happened until October 2013 when Abby was 14 years old. Um, At the time, Abby lived with her mother and sister and the three had a really close bond. Um, I don't know where her dad was. I'm assuming they were separated. I didn't see too much about him other than he contributed to her like um, like the the search reward money okay thing he put like 10 grand in or something so i think he was in her life but maybe not with the mother still um so the girls were like well-behaved normal girls and their mother trusted them to go out and about on their own so when abby failed to come home before 7 p.m on a school night her mom knew something was wrong she filed a missing persons report right away but the family feared for the worst uh months and months dragged on with no signs of abby but i'm not gonna cover the investigation side of this case i'm gonna try to share it from abby's perspective so it's your typical investigation there was search parties volunteers came they put up money etc etc the police Um, probably butchered it the, the police probably butchered it um so on October 9th, 2013, I scrolled up instead of down. <laughs> what is technology? <laughs> now it just won't scroll. Oh. On October 9th, 2013, Abby was seen on a security camera leaving Kennett High School at the end of the school day. Uh, so that was the last time she was spotted quote unquote alive at the time because she doesn't die i didn't want to say i don't know um so she started her walk home and was approached by a man with a gun uh she realized pretty quickly what was going on and started making a plan in her head as the man forced her into his car she immediately tried to form a bond with her abductor and uh she hoped that if she was 
uh, friendly or at least not terrified of him that he would let her live. Yeah. Uh, so she did a sit down interview with ABC that I reference about one million and ten times in this episode. And in that interview, Abby said, quote, I remember thinking to myself, OK, I've got to work with this guy. I said to him, I don't judge you for this. If you let me go, I won't tell anybody about this. So she didn't panic, just got down on his level and was like, it's cool, bro. I'm not mad at you. Like, we could, we could talk about this. Yeah. Um, regardless, the man handcuffed her, uh, wrapped a jacket around her head, and smashed her cell phone before taking off with Abby in the back seat. Um, Abby tried to take a peek out of the window when the jacket slipped a little bit, and he caught her, and he pulled out a taser and tased her. Oh, so she knew pretty quickly that she shouldn't try to fuck around like that. Um, a little while later, the car came to a stop uh, at a place where Abby would be hidden for nine long months. It was uh, like a big storage container on a plot of land about 30 miles north of where Abby was taken from. Uh, the storage container had been converted into like kind of like a, it, not really a house, like no one lived in it, but he made a bunch of bedrooms in it. I assume that he was at least planning to abduct other girls and kind of keep them there. Okay. Um, the man took Abby into one of these rooms and removed the jacket so that he could tape her eyes closed instead. He then put a t-shirt around her head and then made her wear a motorcycle helmet so she couldn't see where she was being held. Um, and that was the first night that the man assaulted her. Over the course of the next few days, he repeatedly raped her despite her attempts to form a bond. Um, she still kind of like played along with it. Like she didn't fight back and she still tried to keep that sort of quote unquote friendship aspect going yeah um abby says she prayed every night for the attacks to end and we all know i'm not the praying type but this part got me a little bit she told interviewers that she would never end her prayers with amen because she quote didn't want god to leave me so in her mind if she said amen she was like closing the prayer and god wouldn't be with her during the attacks um i thought that was kind of sad as the yeah it's kind of like you could see how hopeless she felt i guess yeah um but the interview is really cool if you guys want to watch it she talks a lot about how she just w didn't want to give up she's like i didn't want to die so I, I just wasn't gonna die and i was like shit you go girl good for her um as the weeks went on her abductor slowly started to loosen his grip on abby it seemed like her plan was working and he was starting to trust her um in december 2013 two months after she was kidnapped the fbi revealed that abby sent her mother a letter the letter was dated in november about two weeks after her disappearance but the fbi didn't reveal it until december because they didn't want to like ruin the case i guess um so this kind of sparked like uh hope in the investigation because it meant that she could still be alive and that's when like all of the reward money started piling in and all that kind of stuff okay. um so a few months after that the man eventually let abby stay in his personal trailer to help with his day job which was printing counterfeit money naturally casual <laughs> um from what i believe that was like he had been doing this for like his whole life and he had never kidnapped anybody before he just decided one day that he was going to kidnap Woke someone up and was like yo yeah as far as the case has revealed like he hasn't ever kidnapped anybody i think he was at least planning to because of the way the uh thing the storage container was yeah. set up like there was multiple bedrooms um and actually there's a story i it wasn't gonna include it but i'm going to where um abby pissed him off i don't remember what she did but he like uh he put the bag over her head again and made her go in the car and he drove around for like an hour and drove back to the same storage container. Like he didn't actually take her anywhere else. He just made her think that he was taking her somewhere else. I thought that was kind of fucked up. Yeah. 
Because that's um, like a mental game at that point, right? Yeah. And she like she was blindfolded, so she was none the wiser. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she ended up helping him work his day job, and this was a big step up for her because she knew that that meant that she had his full trust. He was basically like, "Hey, work for me in my illegal business." Um. In a weird sort of peace offering, he offered to upgrade her current punishments. Um. Again, in the ABC interview, she said, "Quote." He said, you know, I'm thinking of finding something a little more humane to keep you quiet. He said, I'm thinking of a shock collar. I remember he put it on me and he told me, okay, try and scream. And I just slowly started to raise my voice and then it shocked me. So he's like, okay, now you know what it feels like. So a literal like dog shock collar. Like he went to PetSmart and got a dog shock collar. That's so fucked up. And thought that was nice. Nice. Um towards the end of her ordeal it's like, like nice i don't want to know what the he uh, yeah i didn't want to get into too too many details but she was abused pretty much daily for nine months yeah uh physically sexually mentally like he but you guys need to watch this interview because she, she actually kind of reminds me of you a little bit where she's just very like stable in how she says things like she's not i don't know she just was like matter of fact about it yeah um i think i talk about it a little bit at the end a lot of people didn't like how matter of fact she was but it actually well yeah we'll get into it um (laughs) so towards the end of the ordeal uh it seemed like the man was fully convinced of abby's loyalty she described how he started spending the night in bed with her after the assaults i don't want to say cuddling but like i think in his mind it was cuddling and the way i interpreted this was like i think he thought they were a couple at that point because like you know what i mean they would he would assault her and then spend the night and like spooning and stuff so i think he thought they were maybe dating or something yeah um but she was obviously horrified the whole time and uh one of these incidents is like the first time that she saw his face and she was able to make like a mental note of his face Oh, so um, she hasn't even seen his face up until... Yeah, so she she saw his face on one of these nights, and then I think he eventually, like, let her look around because she... We'll get into it. She starts reading, basically. Okay. So I think... I didn't see at what point he allowed her to look around, but I think it was probably after the first time he, she saw him, mm-hmm. and then he just, like, relaxed, I guess. I don't know. Um. So... Yeah, so he thinks they're a couple, blah, blah, blah. Uh, One day, Abby told the man that she was bored, and he gave her a pile of books to read that he found just lying around the trailer. And this seems pretty insignificant, but this moment is actually what saved Abby's life. Um, While reading through a cookbook one day, Abby noticed a name written inside the cover. She asked the man, quote, who's Nate Kibbe? And he replied in horror, quote, how do you know my name? So shortly after this, yeah, he wrote his name in a cookbook. And then uh, I think she said she found a ruler that had, like, his initials on it. Um, So she figured out his name, and this kind of spooked him. Not enough to let her go yet, but enough for him to be kind of on edge, because that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, So shortly after this, I'm not exactly sure when I couldn't find the timeline, but another stars aligning moment happened. A woman named Lauren Monday called Nate and she was screaming on the other line. Lauren had just been arrested for trying to use a fake $50 bill that Nate and Abby had made. And she told him that she ratted them out to the police and that the police were on their way. So Nate went into a frenzy and tried to like destroy as much evidence as he could from inside the trailer. And Abby had been missing for nine months at this point, and her posters were plastered all over New Hampshire. It was, like, the biggest story in the state. Um, And if police broke down his door and spotted her there, he'd be pretty fucked. Yeah. And because of Abby's smart thinking and the bond that they formed, he trusted her enough to just let her go. 
On July 20th, 2014, he drove Abby back to North Conway, where she had been taken from, and dropped her off in the exact location that he had picked her up from nine months before. He made her promise that she would never give his name to police, and she swore to keep that promise. And then he just drove off. And Abby said she kind of, like, stood there for a minute and was like... Did this actually just happen? Did this, did this just happen? And then she just casually walked the last mile to her mom's home. Uh, and yeah, there's a, I think I say this later, but I'm going to say it now anyways. In the ABC article, they show the video of her just like walking up to her door on their like security camera thing. And it's just, it's so casual. Um, That's so, so crazy. Abby described the moment she realized she was free. Quote, I remember looking up and laughing, just being so happy. Like, oh my God, this actually happened. I'm a free person. I never thought this would happen to me. Um, so yeah, the moment she walked in her front door, it was literally right after. That's how impatient I am. So yeah, the clip isn't very long. It just shows her walking up to the door. But Abby and her mom both tell the interviewer kind of their point of view of that moment. And it just seems so casual. Abby just walked in and called out, Mom. And then nine months of horror just came to an end. Her mom was on the phone at the moment and she like thought she was hearing things. And then she she called out again. She said mom again. And she just like, hold on a second and like stared at her for a second. And then she said they just like hugged and That's didn't so let sad. go. Um, and it was just, she just came home. It was like, she just came home from school almost. And like that nothing doesn't happen. happened. That doesn't no. happen ever. No, they, especially nine months in, like at that point, I would believe that they thought they were looking for a body. Yeah. You know, so. And especially like in that state of mind for that guy to just let her go. Usually people would be like, oh, I'm fucked. The cops are going to come for me. I'm just going to kill her. I'm just going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. But like I said, I don't think he had kidnapped before. So I don't know if he had a game plan. Like I yeah. don't, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't think he had any I just sort of plan in mind maybe he just never had the like i don't want to say like the backbone to kill her like he never no that's fair yeah her, so he never like kind of wanted to yeah and i also think her like plan of bonding kind of worked and he like maybe thought that he like liked Cared her for her yeah. yeah um so yeah on july 21st the news had gone public that abby was home by Ch- july 24th investigators released a sketch of nate kibbe based on abby's descriptions she did keep her promise and never gave the police or fbi his name um and she said that she didn't know who it was and it was a stranger and all this stuff she did however tell her mother zania the name she confided in her mother that she couldn't tell the police the whole truth but goddamn right zania would <laughs> um on July 27th, 2014, Zania gave the detectives Nate Kibbe's name. Like, she just marched right up to the police station. It was like, yeah, no, this is him. Uh, and led to his arrest and the raid of his property the next morning. So July 28th, he was arrested. Um, while initially taken in on a kidnapping charge, all in all, Nate was indicted on over 180 charges, including <sighs> multiple counts of sexual assault and uttering threats to Abby and her family. Um, so he he told abby like if she ever told the police his name he'd kill his mom and her dogs and all this stuff or her mom i think i said his mom uh so he got charged for like those threats even um and there's a whole bunch of other like the money laundering and all that stuff yeah so he was held on one million dollars bond for two (laughs) years in prison during the trial so he was not allowed to go free during the trial and on may 26 2016 nate Give, blah, Nate Kibbe pleaded guilty to seven of the 180 charges and was sentenced Only to seven. 45 to 90 years in prison. Um, at the sentencing, uh, she like did a, vi- a victim impact statement and she said that she forgives him, but that what he did affects her every day. Um, and I, again, recommend watching the ABC videos because she they like 
they don't show her saying the impact statement, but you could hear her recording of it. And yeah. uh, again, just a really well-spoken girl. Um, and she was, I think, 16 during the trial. So to be that young and having survived that trauma and be able to speak so well about that, I thought was like really cool. Yeah. Um, so her ABC interview came out in 2018. And like I said, some people were fascinated by how calmly Abby spoke about her ordeal. Um, some people didn't like it which is none of their fucking business but um like you can't you cannot get mad at someone for how they act after being kidnapped for nine months yeah everybody processes trauma differently some of us make jokes about their dead dad and that's fine fine (laughs) that's how people cope um so yeah, she like I said, she was just very matter of fact throughout uh, this whole interview. And even the police interviews, they said she just pretty much was like, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, not to say that she wasn't upset. Obviously, she was upset. But it was just, I don't know, it was a quote unquote easy process for them to sort of get the information from her. Yeah. Um, so a clinical psychologist named Rebecca Bailey, she uh, watched the interview and gave sort of her opinion on it. She's not... Uh, Abby psychologist just in case that gets me in shit so she associates this with uh, Abby's remarkable ability to strategize she said that Abby is quote able to get out of her terror state and problem solve which not a lot of humans can do cough me um so it's like her fight or flight response is just stop and think as opposed Mm -hmm. to fight or flight and that unique ability is what saved her life basically um, so the interview gained a ton of attention because of its sort of mixed reviews. And in February 2022, Abby released a Lifetime movie about her ordeal, uh, which she said helped her heal. She said uh, each sort of stage has been like a different healing for her. So the trial healed one portion, the interview healed one portion, and like this movie kind of healed another portion because she felt like she's now able to talk about it yeah um so in her impact statement that she read aloud in court abby told her attacker that she was scared to tell people her last name because she was horrified to have to tell them what happened to her once once they like realized who she was so she went off to college and everybody only knew her as abby they like she didn't want to give her last name so that they could google her and see the story yeah um so she went from hiding her story to sharing it to the world on lifetime network not the best network but i mean she got it out there yeah uh so i thought that was really cool how she explained that process for her and uh in one last quote from abc abby described her new appreciation for life quote every time i go outside now i really try to appreciate sunlight and fresh air it really went in my lungs differently i really try to never take that for granted the end she is badass she is and i highly recommend you watch the uh videos and stuff because watching her speak is just like i don't know i could see why people would say that she's like casual about it but to me it comes off as what that the psychologist said it's like the compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. well it's the same kind of thing it's like that's how i kind of process things it's like yeah she you did remind one. me a lot of you in yeah. like and i hope you don't take that in any like offensive way but no. just i thought that she was very strong yeah and that's what reminded me of you oh thanks you're welcome but yeah like it's just kind of like you it happened and to deal with it you have to just deal with what happened and not try to like yeah. sugarcoat it yeah in the sense like it's this is what happened this is how i'm gonna tell you and that's just basically how she's yeah. able to heal so and, and there's people like most people i feel suppress 
yeah. things as opposed to just facing it head on yeah so i think maybe that's why people were so taken aback by how she dealt with things is because yeah. like well i wouldn't want to talk about that and it's like well don't then no one's telling you yeah. to but she does so. so if you're ever in that situation you don't have to do it that way then yeah exactly but i really liked her story i really liked watching her speak and i again abc for the one millionth time watch their video read the article she sounds amazing i didn't know about that like i've never even heard i hadn't of heard case. of it either yeah and it apparently was like the one of the biggest cases in new hampshire um but my sister just sent me it i guess because this uh movie just came out came out yeah yeah so uh I'll, I'll maybe watch it i think it's called a girl in the shed or the girl in the shed okay something like that i don't expect it to be good unfortunately yeah. it's a lifetime but <laughs> we'll support abby <laughs> yeah we'll support abby that's crazy though yeah. i cannot fucking it's just like it's also weird doing a case where no one died. What kind, yeah, what kind of <laughs> like luck does she have that she got away with? Like, it blows my mind that he I wasn't think just it's, like, no, here you go, bye. Yeah, I think a lot of it was her skill, like her mm-hmm. her thinking. I don't like. Yes, she is lucky, but I don't think it was just luck that got her out. Mm-hmm. I think that she really thought to me I was like she probably watched Criminal Minds or something like this is like way too well thought out like (laughs) like to me it's just kind of like she definitely like built a bond there where he's kind of just like well now I kind of care for her yeah exactly weird like twist way but like and all of the experts in the articles I read said that that's like exactly what they would tell you to do because Mm -hmm. once you personalize with them you're no longer like an object you're no longer something that's disposable yeah so yeah that's you got a lesson from holly this week seriously we all did life lessons from holly there you go and on that note shall we be friends yeah come hang out with us on instagram come talk about this crazy case and how strong abby is uh our instagram is a spooky hour podcast our twitter's at spooky hour stay off twitter it's a fucking nightmare and our email is the spooky hour podcast 666 at com. oh you're so funny i went on twitter the other day and fuck it's vile like i'm like i just saw like the stuff about like ukraine and then the pictures that it's just the pictures that are being posted it's like yeah i don't like that twitter doesn't censor a lot of okay they censor a lot of things but they don't tend to censor images for some reason and i've seen way too much shit i have gotten really good at muting words because i just i don't want to see that on my feed yeah so i just mute everything yeah so my feed is mostly positive mostly (laughs) mostly there's there's some stragglers in there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the world is dark and i choose to block it out for now that's fine yeah i just i just go to farms and drink wine that's all i got hey happy monday friends stay spooky stay spooky bye (laughs) bye